This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Better Call Paul is a production of Lola Media. Say hi, Lola. Hey, everyone. This is Paul Sarker from Better Call Paul. Just wanted to remind you that the show is intended for entertainment purposes only and is not legal advice. I am not your lawyer unless we separately agree for me to represent you. And the views expressed by Mesh and me are solely our own. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Better Call Paul, the show where we discuss the legal and business side behind the scenes of Hollywood sports and entertainment. I'm your co-host, Paul Sarker former Marvel lawyer and current big law media attorney. And I'm your other co-host, Mesh Lakani. Paul, I've got to tell you, I've found a new show and I'm excited about it. Oh, awesome. I want to know. What is it? Obsessed with the new season of Fargo and I never really watched the show and this is very good TV. Very I good will TV. Have to, well, I'd say I have to check it out. I don't know when I'm going to i love tv i go through phases as you know right it's been a couple years doing the show where i'm like behind 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 then i'll get a a little bit of a breather and i'll like catch up on some stuff like i did with the bear and succession and all that but i'm I'm, thanks for the tip i'll I'll definitely try to check it out yes i hope everyone had a great mlk weekend but uh yeah if you get the chance to watch fargo on uh, it's on hulu John Hamm, Juno Temple in this um, season. It, each season is like a different story. Juno Temple from Ted Lasso and then John Hamm from Mad Men, of course. Like phenomenal acting, amazing show. I'm on the edge of my seat. And then the other show that I'm watching that I just didn't really think about watching is, of course, our boy Taylor Sheridan's 1883, which might be one of the best series I've ever seen on TV. Oh, wow. Okay, good. I mean, so, that means Paramount's getting their money's worth. Two Rex, yeah. It's 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 been a it's been a while since I've been able to say talk excitingly about a show, but you know, it, it'll be great. Hopefully, people can check that out, and if they're fans, went wonderful. And that's Helen Mirren. No, no, that's the other one. Eighteen eighty three is like the whole start of the. It's essentially like the Oregon Trail. The Dutton family is move like moving west. And so Got it's it. 1883. It's basically like a live action Oregon Trail. If guys, if you all remember the game, it is yeah. so well done. And you're kind of like, yeah, I get it. I get Taylor Sheridan. This guy's kind of a genius and uh, he should be able to do whatever he wants. So, you know, I know we how much, how much we've talked about Taylor Sheridan on the show. So I'm actually glad that uh, I've been able to to see the show. I wonder if he ends up buying Paramount. They're probably yeah. paying him. <laughs> It might it might work out that way the way things are going. So yeah. Well, speaking of geniuses, we got Tom Cruise just did a very clever first look slash development deal, but it's not really either of the. I mean, it's a development deal, but it's not a first look deal because it's not exclusive. He just signed a deal to produce and develop movies with Warner Brothers Discovery. So he's going to get an office on the lot. This is a big get for Warner Brothers Discovery, the new Huge. team. If you remember. Dave Zaslov put in a new team, Mike DeLuca and Pam Abdi, who were at MGM prior to MGM being bought by Amazon. So now they're running 
live action studios over at Warner Brothers Discovery. So I guess you could say like they're obviously trying to restore Warner Brothers to prior glory. Yeah. But also, you know, it's a little bit of a hedge against what James Gunn and Peter Safran do with the DC universe, because if if the comic book movie genre is declining or on its its last legs, then they obviously want to have another strong presence and they want to have other movies. So they got Tom Cruise in the fold. And it's great, I think, for both parties because Tom Cruise, like I said, it's not exclusive. So he can still do his Mission Impossible stuff for Paramount. He can still do movies for Universal. He's got a lot going on in his career, obviously. And it's great if you can do this. Typically, deals like this are usually exclusive because if someone's going to give you an overall deal and an office on the lot and a big salary, they typically want your best ideas and they don't want you distracted and they don't want your schedule tied up on other things. But if you're Tom Cruise, I guess you can do what you want. Well, he doesn't have to actually star in the movies, right? He's developing and producing the movies. So he could star. Presumably in them he'd he, be acting yeah. in them. Right, right. I would assume so. It's interesting because um, some might say, well, Tom Cruise, you know, the, has the guy hit the end. And I mean, last year he had the biggest movie of his career with Maverick, Top Gun Maverick. Sorry, the year before then, 2022, yeah, 20, 2023, ago. He had Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. That didn't perform that well, but that's also because Barbie and Oppenheimer were out, but it still did okay. He's got an up-and-coming new action movie coming out by the Edge of Tomorrow director, Doug Lyman, and then another Mission Impossible movie coming out. So so Dead Reckoning Part 2, right? And it's interesting because his last Warner Brothers movie was Edge of Tomorrow, which I refer to as Live, Die, and Repeat. That's right. It was a great movie. Amazing. Great movie. It's a cult. It's a cult hit. It's just, you know, it's such a people love that movie. Also a good Rick and Morty episode. But yeah, so that's 10 years ago. And I mean, this guy is ageless, 61 years old. His films have grossed 11 and a half billion worldwide, (laughs) um, 4 billion in the US. And now you say, yeah, Top Gun Maverick, almost one and a half billion for Paramount. And so if you're thinking about like, let's say you're a studio exec and you're looking at who are some of the biggest stars we can align ourselves with, yeah, right, and stay relevant and make sure like the floor is pretty high. I mean, Tom Cruise has been doing it for four decades, really. So, yeah, and the guy, like, I think he's just got such a fan base. I mean, we all uh, people, you can say whatever you want to the guy personally, but you can't deny the fact that this guy just makes great movies that you enjoy going to the theater at. And then, and just, you know, him returning to Warner Brothers, just to give people an idea of what movies he did make with Warner Brothers previously, Magnolia, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, Eyes Wide Shut, of course, by Stanley Kubrick, Interview with a Vampire, way back when, Brad Pitt. His Cantor first Reeves. movie, actually, Risky yeah, Business. Risky Business, and one of my personal favorites, Rock of Ages. I don't know, Tom Cruise and Rock of Ages is phenomenal. One of those movies that you kind of just watch on TV and then you're like, this is actually a pretty good movie. But the guy just, I think there's probably two bad movies Tom Cruise has ever done. Which are? Night and Day and The Mummy. You also had one Mission Impossible that you couldn't stand. Mission Impossible 2. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Mission Impossible 2 is pretty bad. Okay. Three. Three bad movies. Well, given how many movies he's made, you know, and even the ones that he didn't make with Warner Brothers, like, uh, you know, thinking about Last Samurai. Oh, Even yeah. his little cameo in Tropic Thunder. Oh, I wish they'd make a spinoff of that. That'd be great. Les Grossman. Yeah. yeah. Les Grossman, like uh, kind of like get him to the Greek style movie with Les Grossman. That's what I'm imagining. American Made was good. I mean, it wasn't American it Made gross was good, that yeah. much. 
Yeah. Good movie. Yeah, this guy's great. I mean, even if he's just, like you said, he's developing and producing stuff and putting it together, you know, you just want to have as much Tom Cruise DNA in your yeah. studio as you If can. you think about American Made, American Made was kind of like, yeah, I think I'm just going to make this movie on the weekend. It's kind of like he's want, like, I'm going to wing it and just do this movie that ended up being pretty decent and people like it. So he has the ability to do movies outside of Mission Impossible. Um, it's just that Mission Impossibles are still fun. Maybe is it that Mission Impossible is losing its, uh, it's just we're getting a little, it's overkill. I think we'll we'll find out in the upcoming one based on the fact that it won't have Barbie and Oppenheimer competing with it. Yeah, I mean, it's a franchises. It, it has a low, I mean, I'd say like the likelihood that it's terrible, terrible, I think are slim. There's an upcoming action movie by Doug Lyman that I mentioned earlier, the Edge of Tomorrow director, where Tom Cruise is going to do the first spacewalk, I believe. By, Got it. Yeah. yeah. So that'll so, be good. I mean, wasn't there a spacewalk? Oh, this is the first out, spacewalk outside yes, the International Space exactly, Station because I think exactly. there have been movies where they've sort of like done fake spacewalks, but this is, yeah. I guess, real. Um <laughs> And, and by the way, this was not our effort to do our top Tom Cruise movies because there's so many that we left out that are. Just I, for some, you know, it's funny. I was I was thinking about didn't we do that before? Haven't we done it? We did for Top Gun Maverick. Uh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like thinking again. I'm like my top Cru- Tom Cruise movies shift on a on a on a yearly basis. So we'll have to update that at some. That's point. when it came out that I hadn't seen a Mission Impossible movie. That's and right. Like, oh That's my god, right. how have you not? And then I've actually now I've seen. <laughs> Um, That's maybe right. five or six of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That makes um, sense. Well, let's take a quick break and come back with the Golden Globes recap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So, Mesh, we did the Paulies first episode of the year. So we were ahead of the Golden Globes. And I will say, just to pat ourselves on the back, we were right for a couple of these. Probably most. We had a lot of similarities in the nominations. This was before the nominations came out. And we also had a lot of similarities in the winners, notably the Bear. We both talked about Beef being a nominee. I picked Oppenheimer as the poly winner for film of the year. Oppenheimer got the Golden Globe. My, my movie didn't even get nominated. Well, I mean, you can't you can't win them all, right? I mean, the, <laughs> what, yeah, what was your true. movie? Oh, yeah. And Iron the, Claw. Yeah, Iron Claw. Completely snubbed. Well, it did come out pretty late in the year. It did. It did. It basically came out the, the weekend of Christmas. So, yeah. yeah. 
What are you going to do? So a couple of weeks ago, the Hollywood Foreign Press uh, did the 81st Golden Globes. And it was a couple of weeks ago when you're hearing this episode. It was last week as yeah. we record it. And hosted by Joe Coy, there was a little bit of controversy because oh, a man. lot of people they reached out to didn't want to host the show. And so like it ended up being like a week and a half before the show that Joe Coy accepted the gig. And his monologue, I thought it was funny, but he did make a few comments about how you know, it wasn't going to be perfect because he only had a week or so to prepare. And by the way, like he wrote the funny jokes and the writers didn't do that well. It was a bit weird. Um, I, I, I here's what I think. I think so. Joy, Joe Coy, for people who don't know, is a is a comedian and pretty popular in the comedy circuit. Has a Netflix special, Asian American, Filipino American, Filipino American. Does like you know, like a lot of people know him for doing those types of jokes within Asian American. He does a lot of jokes around that. I think a lot of the audience didn't really know who he was. Like, he's not your typical celebrity type comic. And so I think the audience watching from home was like, who is this guy? And then obviously he doesn't do that great. Um, and I think the audience interaction with him also wasn't great because like, I think the audience in the Golden Globes was also like, who is this guy? So actually I know who he is, but my Jess is, you know, Filipino. So, of course, like yes. Filipino, she's a fan of comedy. We know who Joe Coy is. We've seen his Netflix special. He's pretty funny. I yes, would say he I does agree. sort of beat the drum of the mom jokes too much. But, yeah, you know, that's yeah. just my personal opinion. He's a funny guy. You can't deny that he's making a huge contribution to Filipino-American culture. He, he does his he style well. Exactly. Yes. He does his style well. And I didn't think he was bad at the Golden Globes. Now, I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but I did get his, I saw his monologue a few days later, and he's getting canceled. He's getting a lot of heat for his jokes. Yeah. I think the killers on the flower moon joke did not land well when he said this is, you know, white people stealing 100%, not 97%, 100% of everything. In the room, I guess that, you know, didn't didn't go over that well. <laughs> yeah. Um, he had a Taylor Swift joke that I didn't think was bad, but, he, you know, it I was know It wasn't it. bad. It was just like... The jokes he made that people are like, dude, what are you doing? They're like, you're, those jokes maybe were like 10 years ago jokes that maybe would have gone No, I thought the Taylor Swift one was, was recent. I mean. Well, the, the Taylor Swift one was funny because it was all about Travis Kelsey and the viewership. The NFL, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe he just wasn't connecting with the, the My thing, my guess is that like when a, when a Jimmy Kimmel is hosting or a Chris Rock is hosting, like these guys on their own are their own type of celebrity that are like very much a part of Hollywood. And if, uh, you know, a Dave Chappelle or a Ricky Gervais who just doesn't care, but he's very in people in Hollywood respect him. I think in this case, maybe that was part of the reason, like the audience wasn't feeling him. And so, you know, I don't know. I think, I think it's a really challenging thing, especially in this day and age to be a comedian, 100%. to make, People laugh without offending anyone. I think it's like next to impossible. I think Joe Coy did fine, but you're right. He's not necessarily of the echelon that maybe you would you would say is a household name to everyone. And it's a really tough thing to be edgy without break, you know, making an omelet without breaking any eggs. It's kind of yeah. how I see it. I mean, it. look, I appreciate edgy. I I would hope that people would push it more. Joe Coy, I've seen him on like TikTok and stuff. I do find him funny. I, you know. I watched clips of the the Golden Globes. Besides that, I do think he's getting too much of a hard time, but people just need to write about something. 
I'm surprised at some point, like the, the, the clip that I kept watching was a Kristen Wiig, Will Ferrell always come together to present award on the Golden Globes. And they're usually pretty funny. I'm wondering when they are when they're going to host together, because I think that would be great, like a Tina Fey, Amy Poehler type situation. Yeah, I mean, Will Ferrell's probably pretty expensive, I guess. That may be part oh, of it, Oh, that's too. right, because it's like the cost of them. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even think about that. I just thought people did that. It used to be about free. the prestige, but now yeah. it's like they're they're having a hard time getting people to do it. So I see. You know, I assume that you got to pay. But let's just do a quick recap yeah. of the winners. So, as I said, Oppenheimer had a really big night. Was One best big film. Night. Killian Murphy, RDJ... Uh, best Supporting Actor, Christopher Nolan, Best Director. Maybe you could say Greta Gerwig deserves a nod there, but I think i go with Christopher Nolan. Yeah, same. Um, Succession did Amazing. incredibly well. It, best all, Drama yeah. and three of the best actors. And actually, I would say, so that was just to be clear, Kieran Culkin, Best Actor, Sarah Snook, Best Actress, and Matthew McFadden, Best Supporting Actor, all in a drama. I can't argue with it, I guess, but I I didn't really like any of their characters in the final season. I 100% agree that the last season, after, spoiler alert, whatever happens to the dad, I just kind of didn't care anymore. But, I mean, they're they're great at what they do. Like, they were good at, like, you kind of hated them for just being entitled brats. So I guess they did do a good job at that. Yeah, and Matthew McFadden, I think he, he definitely played the whole, like, strategy skillfully to, to yeah. end up becoming the CEO, but no love for Jeremy strong. I don't know. I think you know, so little... you've seen the meme, right? Jeremy strong, uh, just like at the end of the show, it's like, he's alone. Yeah. And the yeah. meme was, it's, I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. I, I look, I, I thought the people who won like Lily Gladstone won for killers of the flower moon, the bear, Jeremy Allen white. Io Adabiri for best actress in a musical or comedy show. I thought Bear's they deserved the best. it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Beef One, uh, which was one of those shows I'll never watch again, but it was a good show. And Steven Yoon and Ali Wong won Best Actor and Best Actress, respectively, for, for in a limited series. series. Yeah. I wonder, and I think this has been a gray area, even going back to last year with uh, White Lotus, what is a limited series? Is 10 episodes a limited series? Is it six? If you could do multiple seasons, is it no longer a limited series? I don't know. Beef qualifies as a limited series. So I'm the, not the way I, I think like about a show. limited series is like it's one season and that's it. Like that to me is a limited series. So I think a limited series should be like not a full season. I think it'd be like I, I, a good example to me would be Chernobyl, mm. which was on HBO. That's like four, maybe five episodes. But sure. Because like Beef had an ending. It ended in the it wasn't a season. It was just like here's like eight episodes or whatever it was. Right. But and I same mean, with eighteen eighty three. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah. It's definitely the 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 definition is definitely like God. Back in the day, a limited series was like one of those Pride and Prejudice type shows that, you know, I wasn't watching. And now limited series are like the ones that they, they're very, very popular now. Right. Right, right, right. But it's not as the episode orders are getting shorter for seasons, like yes. sometimes seasons will be eight episodes, the distinction between a limited series, which White Lotus was, I guess, apparently, even though there's multiple seasons, and a show are different. But I guess it's maybe it's a different way to get awards. Yeah. This yeah. is a question I had. What's the difference between best box office slash cinematic achievement and best motion picture? Because well, Barbie won that. Yeah, but they introduced that 
that's a new category that they introduced. So is it like, hey, we can't let Barbie not win anything this year, <laughs> so we got to give them an award? Yeah, it is funny because we did that. We kind of had a Polly's version of this where, like, who did the best in the box office? I, I And it's kind of surprising that they actually... No, it was, a, it was a who won the year. Who won the year, and then they're like, hey, let's give an award for the person who made the most money, essentially. Is that what that's for? It's basically for... So... um Cinematic and box office achievement for films that gross substantial amounts of money in domestic and global ticket sales. Uh, and um, and then they introduced best performance in a stand-up comedy as well, the Ricky Gervais one. But the cinematic and box office achievement award is kind of like, I don't know, it cheapens it a bit. Uh, there is another meme around this for those who are Mad Men fans where Don Draper screaming, that's what the money's for. Like, you, you make the money, that's how you know that you're doing well in the box office. You don't need to win a Golden Globe for it. So it is a little weird that they introduced that. It's weird because like that's the one year Marvel didn't have the highest grossing <laughs> yeah, film, and that's yeah. when they maybe come out that's with this why award. they did it. And then so also for best song, I think there were two Barbie songs nominated. I think I agreed with the Billie Eilish song. I love and that I, song. I know you like Billie Eilish, yeah. but I will say that that probably was the best song. It's a really nice song. It's a very pretty song. Yeah. And then and a couple more things about the Golden Globes. Like, look, it was uh, last year's Golden Globes was a record low, 6.3 million viewers, because there were no stars. There was no box office movie. Like, no one was nominated from the big movies. This year, obviously, Barbie, Oppenheimer, The Bear, like people that you want to see. It was Shout up Shout out to RDJ getting his RDJ, supporting actor. There was, it was 9.4 million people viewing it, I'm sure, on social. And just the clips going viral, there was a ton of coverage. And it was streamed on so that Paramount means Joe Plus. Coy did well. Joe Coy did well from, like... I feel bad for him. He was on Good Morning America and he was pretty bummed out that he was just like, it was just a lot of pressure and, you know, didn't, some things just don't work out sometimes. But it kind of, people aren't thinking of giving him too much of a hard time. I agree. But, you know, people will know who you are now. So when your new special comes out, they'll check you out and hopefully you do great. Fantastic. I thought he did fine. I, I actually, I thought the Taylor Swift thing was funny and it wasn't even making fun of her. It was more no, poking fun at the NFL. But either way, Good, successful Globes. Congrats to all the winners, nominees, everyone associated with it. Good job. Glad we can celebrate this. And yeah. I'm glad the oh. Polys were accurate. Yeah. Well, one thing, because I mentioned this on the Polys, the holdovers. Paul Giamatti won. For those yeah. who haven't seen the holdovers, great movie. Um, a fun watch. But um, let's take a break, Paul. We'll get back and talk about CES, everyone's favorite tech show. Okay, so CES 2024. CES is the world famous expo that takes place to see all the consumer electronics for the year. Like, what are like the big hits that are coming out? What are the themes? All companies from your Apples to your Samsungs of the world are like announcing things. You know what was interesting about this? It's clearly the one of the main themes is AI and how AI is going to be integrated into like everyday devices. I've been following a little bit about CES. Uh, I know there's a there's something we're going to talk about regarding AI voice and uh, and a deal getting made around that. It's held annually, basically the second week of in of January in Vegas every year, or at least for the past 25 years or so. And you said it. It's basically where all the companies debut the coolest tech and gadgets for the year or even the next couple years. Like there's yeah. a lot of prototype stuff that never even hits the consumer market. And 
I would personally lo- love going to CES. I never, I've never had the the fortune, the good fortune to go. But I love gadgets. I love TVs. I love seeing all this new tech. And you can live stream it, but it's not the same as like playing with the stuff. And seeing the demos in person, I think, got to be super cool. Some of the coolest things I saw. So they have these transparent That's televisions very now. very cool. I was legit shocked. My jaw dropped when I saw it. Yeah. And I'm telling Jess, like, oh, we need to get this transparent TV because <laughs> it's like, it's a it's an art piece, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It changes with the room, with what you're watching. It's not just like this big black rectangle. But then I saw that they also have like 110, 115 inch TVs, and so you and I live in New York City, and it's yeah. like, how do you get 115 inch TV into your apartment? I don't know. That's a problem for another day. But imagine. Yeah, I mean, it was a theme, like the transparent TVs and then mega screens. That's pretty cool. It's just cool when you see the demos of like how far we've come from the days of when the plasma TV screen was announced and it was like $10,000 to get your hands on one. You know, I'm sure these are going to be pretty expensive in the beginning, but it it goes to show. Well, that is that's still how it is, right? I mean, it's yes. like the cutting yes. edge stuff, like the biggest and the best tech that is astronomical like 40, 50, 100,000. But what it does is like as we advance every year, the entry level stuff becomes a lot more attainable. So you can go to Best Buy and buy a 75 inch TV for like 500 bucks now, yeah. whereas a couple of years ago it would have been like two grand. And all of that is made possible by the innovation and the, the advancement. So now a 75 inch TV is run of the mill. Sounds crazy because a couple of years ago it would have been like the biggest TV around. But now they're like, there's TVs that are 40 inches, literally 40 inches bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but those might be 30 grand. I don't know. And I don't well, know how you'd fit it in an apartment. Well, I guess at some point, too, it's like you're you're not going to have this big, to your point, this big, like, black screen just taking up space in the living room. It's just going to be this really big piece of glass that looks like an art frame or just actually is just transparent so you can just see what's behind it if you have something painted on the wall. And then it's just going to be a TV screen. I think that eventually will catch on. I do think people will like the idea that there's not a screen in the room unless they want it to want it to be there. And have you seen these like folding slash like rollable screens? I think that I mean, if you could have a screen that basically had the clarity and picture image quality and brightness of a, you know, a screen that we're used to, but it also could roll like a projector screen. Yeah. Like back, I mean, that would be great because, you know, then you could transport it or you could at least get it into your house without like needing. Because like freight elevators are a certain, you know, like I remember when we got a 75 inch TV, we were um, in our building. We used the freight elevator and it barely fit the box. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know how you would get like a 25 inch larger TV. I have no idea. But I mean, it is funny about the like the mega screens and then the transparent screens and one of the biggest companies. At CES, Apple, they didn't say anything besides they just announced the date of when the Apple Vision Pro is going to be launched, which is in Feb with the price around $3,499. Still, people haven't been able to, you know, you're not trying this thing out. Like, they're not showing employees or, or people at the company who wear them, but they've made that announcement that that's coming. And that's going around with this theme. They're like transparent TVs, Apple Vision Pro, we're going to wear something, but you're going to be able to see the person's eyes. But I, there's some interesting stuff happening. 3500 I still think is out Tied. of the reach of the yeah. typical consumer. So maybe it'll be like, you know, your friend might have one in their house 
and like you go there and use it once in a blue moon. But I just, it's not. I don't think it'll be ubiquitous like the phone. But then again, they are charging like fourteen hundred for the top of the line phones, and everyone seems to need. Yeah, them. And, and I think like with any, I just I'm just finishing the um, Steve Jobs book by Walter Isaacson, and. It's amazing how they talk about going through every announcement of a brand new product when they release it. And it's, you know, if you think back to the iMac, when they released it, he he wanted to have a, um, the, the CD tray was there, but he wanted a CD slot and they weren't going to do that till later. There's all these things that they do that are planned for later. And I think in this case, it's like the price should come down. Or if it doesn't come down, it might be that the version one or two, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, this is totally worth it now. We've seen it happen before. Yeah. And and you know what? Like, if it's worth it at 3500 you know, heaven help us, because I think we'll just be wearing it all the time. But, you know, the other thing is like gaming tech, obviously, like handhelds, consoles, screens, batteries are getting better and better. So now you're seeing like all kinds of different house charging batteries. Hopefully that helps EVs you know, charge faster and charge more efficiently. And maybe you can have swappable batteries so you can like, you know, charge your car in five minutes or just drive up to a little a changing station and fully, you know, just swap out the battery, get a new battery and just keep driving, you know, like you've refilled gas. Lots of robots, lots of AI, as you said. So lots AI of, yes. is, is getting incorporated into, did you see this? The AI Bali? pillow? Oh no, I thought you were going to say Bali. Which one is the pillow? There's a pillow that senses like whether you're snoring and then it will inflate or deflate to change your neck angle. That's brilliant. Um, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. I don't know if I want that, but sure, I guess. I don't. There's an AI bird feeder that analyzes the type of bird. <laughs> there's AI um, powered home robot vacuums. So, so the one that I was looking at was the, it's by Samsung. It's called the Bali robot and it's a ball that just kind of moves around the apartment and does tasks for you and can like connect to the internet. And it was, it looked pretty cool. Obviously it's, it's a promo video, but the, one of the themes was that I was listening, uh, uh, Marcus Brownlee, who's a, um, a tech reviewer on YouTube was talking about it's multimodal AI is the theme, this idea that it's not just text-based. You chat, you know, you're the chat bot, you talk to, uh, you put, type something in it, type something back to you. This is more now like these AIs recognizing with video, you sharing video with them, them like the AI being able to recognize physical spaces. And I think that was part of the theme of CES that this is where things are going to go. So to, not to be like a Luddite, but I'm actually, I'm very nervous and apprehensive about AI robots roaming my apartment because I just don't know. That seems like a small leap to, okay, well, Paul, do X, Y, or Z, or Paul, yeah. you're, I can't get out of the, the bedroom, or yeah. oh, I'm in the shower, and then the robot comes and does something. Like, I just don't know <laughs> that I feel comfortable with something that's tireless and really strong and powerful roaming well, around my apartment. Well, I don't know if it's strong, um, but of it's Of course like, it's going to be strong. Eventually, eventually. But in the beginning, think about it like, I know people don't like to have their Alexas on because it's, it's, it's listening to you or whatever, but imagine Alexa with wheels on it and like a camera and i don't want it (laughs) like it's a little creepy but it's just moving it's like having the vacuum but the vacuum can talk like what's it called um uh roomba roomba it's like a roomba that can talk to you and you could be like hey go to the living room and clean up that mess that i left there i don't want it you guys Uh, that's all for you guys (laughs) i will be here with uh 
a broom, you know, a stick vacuum <laughs> or a broom. And I'll try to clean my house that way because I am not inviting these robot intruders in. Oh, man, that's funny. SAG announced a deal with Replica Studios, which is based in Australia. And actually, this is very similar to the last topic we discussed in epi- in season two, episode 246 with Oz Krakowski, the chief revenue officer of Deep Dub AI. So obviously, AI and actors are a hot button issue. That was one of the major final points that SAG and the AMPTP were negotiating over is protections for actors and the recreation of their likeness digitally. And so voice actors, similar concerns. And and what SAG said is they reached an agreement with Replica Studio that allows for voice actors and the top of the line you know, SAG talent to render services for video games and other interactive media. And that's industry-leading protections in minimum compensation, opt-out rights, restrictions on use of sound-alikes, approval rights, and the most robust protections that you can get. Replica agreed to it. And so we'll see, you know, that you can start, maybe you can get John Hamm's voice in your home robot. Well, I think I think it's actually pretty cool. I, I, I generally like that idea. I like that it's moving forward in terms of, hey, likeness, you want to use someone's voice, give them credit for it. They might not even have to do any work. So if you're John Hamm, you're like, yeah, great. I'm going to get a check in the mail. I don't have to show up anywhere. Or if you're like a Keanu Reeves, Keanu Reeves actually starred in a, in a video game called Cyberpunk um, 2077. Um, and in that case, it could be where he's already done a lot of the voice acting. If they're doing a sequel or, or another one, could they they could just use his voice and he could opt in and not have to come into the studio and do work or anything like that. Right? Is that how it yeah, works? Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of the, the sales pitch. I guess the flip side, just to play devil's advocate, sure. is that does prevent some actor from working, right? Because yeah, yeah, if they yeah, can just point. have someone just press play and just recreate Keanu Reeves' voice, that's great. Keanu Reeves gets paid and gets credit for it, but that's one less actor that got hired to voice some character in some game. So... That's the sort of counterpoint, but sure. I mean, this is where the industry is heading. You can't just say no, 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 no. You have to embrace it to a degree and negotiate for the best protections you can. If you're talent, obviously you want the most flexibility you can get if you're producing it. But for me, just my two cents, this is not any other opinion or political statement or anything like that. I do not want the intelligent robots in my house. That is fair. Here's where I would entertain it, okay? If there was a robot that could like, meal prep or cook or do dishes or something in that in that vein like an intelligent fridge or or dishwasher that couldn't move around like it was static maybe it had arms so it could make stuff but it couldn't walk around <laughs> i'm literally imagining it, this is like, I'm just imagining a scene from the jetsons right now um yeah i think we're a little far from like meal but not prep knives. robots i don't want it wielding knives <laughs> Yeah, so you're just going to be pureeing all the food, um, and it can do that for yeah. you. <laughs> Who was that, Rosie? Uh, Rosie, I believe, was the... Uh, yeah, I think this is Rosie, the robot maid. Yeah, it was Rosie the robot. That's good good memory there. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there at some point in a decade. We're going to go past it, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, great. As always, Paul, good breakdown on everything. That's our show for this week, folks. Hope you had a great week. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever you choose to listen. Follow us on Better Call Paul, the podcast, Instagram, TikTok. Follow me on X at Mesh Lakani. Better Call Paul is produced and edited by Valentino Rivera and assistant producer Lisa Sanders. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everyone. 
Take care.